You're listening to the Women's Health Cast, a podcast about issues and innovations in women's health from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I'm Jackie Askins. Diabetes can complicate pregnancy in some very important ways, including increased risk for high blood pressure and premature birth. And pregnancy can complicate diabetes. Whether it's type 1, type 2, or gestational, treatment plans for diabetes need to change when someone is pregnant. It sounds intimidating, but safe pregnancy is possible with careful management. On this episode of the Women's Health Cast, we'll hear from three providers who offer a group prenatal care class for people with diabetes about how they help their patients prepare for healthy pregnancies. Today, I am joined by three guests to learn more about diabetes and pregnancy and specifically about a unique group prenatal care class that they run. So uh, this is our first time with three guests at one time. I would love if you guys would um, tell me a little bit about yourselves, who you are, where you work, and what you do. I'm April Eddy. I'm a diabetes and pregnancy specialist. I'm actually an advanced practice nurse and a certified diabetes educator that really helps um, provide information and care to all women with any form of diabetes during pregnancy. I'm Nicole Hovland. I'm the lead childbirth educator for Unity Health Point Meritor, and um, I work both and with our uh, regular community classes that share birth and parenting information, specifically birth in my case, and oversee those classes, as well as in our Center for Perinatal Care with our uh, patients that are seen there. My name is Kara Hoppe, and I'm a maternal fetal medicine physician. Um, I provide um, care to uh, women and uh, babies um, who have uh, perhaps more of a challenge in their pregnancy, uh, whether it's um, a a high-risk maternal condition like high blood pressure or diabetes, or um, there's a a diagnosis of a fetal uh, condition for their baby, um, perhaps a birth defect um, or um, growth disturbance, um, but all of those things are encompassed under the umbrella of what I do. Um, so uh, it's thought of, of um, pregnancy-related care and obstetrics, really for high-risk moms and babies. So thank you all very much for joining me. I'm really excited to, to learn from you. Um, before we start talking about the, the class that you offer, the group prenatal care model that you offer, I want to get a good groundwork of um, kind of what is diabetes and how it can affect pregnancy. So. Yeah, let's start with what, what is diabetes? Diabetes is a problem when the, uh, with the body simply regulating glucose. Uh, there are many different types of diabetes. We typically think of a few, um, and they differ in their components that are um, causing the problem with glucose. Uh, people with type 1 diabetes often are, are predisposed and have some environmental exposure which leads to their body itself destroying the cells that produce insulin and so they are insulin dependent uh, for the rest of their life. Uh, people who have type 2 diabetes make up about 95% of the people with diabetes and that disease is, is much more complex as we learn more and more about it over the years. But we typically um, know that there is a decline in how much insulin the body produces. There's a, generally some issues with how the body responds to, to this hormone insulin that our body should be producing to help regulate the glucose. And like I said, there's some other defects that happen as well. Uh, type 2 diabetes typically does run in families. The chances of it occurring goes up greatly as we get older. 
Um, and the complications really of both of those types of diabetes are virtually the same. What are some of the complications more generally that can come with this disease? Um, generally, um, small blood vessel type complications like eye disease, kidney disease, um, problems even with dental health, um, bigger vessel problems like um, cardiovascular disease, um, which is really the, the number one cause of death for, for all those with diabetes. So I was interested in talking with uh, all of you because you work with uh, pregnant people with diabetes, and I'm curious if those um, the complications that you just listed, if they look different during pregnancy, um, or if diabetes contributes any uh, extra concerns or extra levels of complication to pregnancy. So um, we really encourage women who know that they have diabetes uh, at the onset of uh, their pregnancy or actually before they decide to get pregnant to really access care. So we know that preconception or before they even decide to get pregnant, if they achieve good glucose control and they have adequate control of their diabetes, that their pregnancy outcomes might be better. This relates more to people who know that they have diabetes, whether it's type 1 or 2. Um, so we know that if their glucose levels are out of control, uh, we have a marker of something we call hemoglobin A1C. We really strive to get that um, less than 6.5. Um, because it, that has been associated with a reduction in um, birth defects and improvement in birth outcomes. Um, additionally, people who've had diabetes for some time, um, just as April discussed, they have a higher risk of um, blood vessel problems or um, damage to their body. And so, for example, if they have um, kidney disease or heart disease related to long-term diabetes, that puts them at a higher risk uh, for the pregnancy, and we may have different goals for example, blood pressure control um, to, to give them an optimal pregnancy. So because they have um, higher risk of having uh, complications, we watch these women very, very closely. And so um, not too long ago, we really didn't have good insulin options. We really have great ways to treat people's glucoses and manage their diabetes. Um, and so um, again, we, we really recommend establishing preconception care and then seeing them very early in the first trimester. It's not uncommon we see them, you know, uh, every week or two or do some remote reviews of their glucoses. They have um, an extraordinary increase in the amount of insulin that they need throughout their pregnancy. Um, and so it becomes quite different for them to manage their glucose levels um, and without having really close follow-up. And actually in our clinic, a multidisciplinary approach where, you know, the high-risk obstetricians also um, see our patients with um, April um, which uh, is specifically a special aspect of the care we deliver because she's a diabetes educator that really provides hand-in-hand -hand care with our patients um, to optimize that glucose control throughout the pregnancy. One of the things that's important to keep in mind is um, once a woman gets pregnant, um, the goals for her blood glucose level is really normal glucose control. Um, so the A1C of 6.5 or less is important to get pregnant, to have a lower risk for things like birth defects and miscarriage, but soon thereafter, normal glucose control is, is needed and that A1C should be less than six and we're managing them by specific glucose levels pre and post meal. So not only do they have specific challenges from being pregnant, like hormonal changes, increasing needs, maybe morning sickness or other issues, now their blood glucose levels need to be even more tightly controlled. And the benefit of having Tight glucose control um, also helps um, promote adequate growth of the baby, that it's not too small or not too large. Um, also, um, 
We know that women with diabetes have increased risk of hypertension-related problems like preeclampsia. Um, and so there's, there's really a lot of aspects of care that, um, that need really close follow-up uh, to, to get a good outcome. Babies also born with mothers who have inadequate glucose control, they're used to seeing a lot of glucose, and so they make extra hormone um, insulin like April had already mentioned. So then when they're born, they're used to having all this glucose that they no longer have from the mother, and then their blood, blood glucose can be dangerously low after birth, um, as well as having some problems transitioning to life after birth. So um, as you can hear kind of from what we said, it's complicated, it's important to have really close and tight follow-up um, to really have a good outcome. It sounds like it's not just complicated for the mother. It can also be very complicated for the baby. So you mentioned um, either uh, too small or too large uh, for growth-wise and then um, having the, the babies born with their own trouble with um, blood sugar. So what are some other complications or concerns for the baby? Um, so... Uh, the most common things we talk about are growth disturbances, um, but also with really poorly controlled glucose levels throughout a pregnancy, um, a woman is at risk of losing her baby. Um, we're also at risk of um, having transition of, of care uh, after uh, birth, uh, for example, um, with their blood glucoses themselves and maintaining their blood glucoses normally um, after birth. They can have some problems um, with jaundice, which is when the babies turn yellow. Um, and they need to be able to have um, resolution of jaundice, um, again, because that can cause um, brain injury to the baby. Um, also, there's a lot of discussion long-term in life, if your mother is diabetic, um, that that may predispose you to uh, other healthcare issues, such as diabetes themselves or obesity. We find that especially if the baby is large in relation to the mother's glucose, that the, the uh, baby tends to have this higher risk for diabetes as it grows up, um, just due to that environmental exposure to that extra glucose. Does it matter uh, what type of diabetes the mom had in that case? No, um, it matters if there's high glucose um, that the baby has been exposed to during pregnancy. So no matter what the type of diabetes, type 1, type 2, gestational diabetes, if that baby is large from that extra glucose, that baby has a higher risk of diabetes as it grows up. Um, that excess glucose, it actually causes size to be a little bit different. So not only can they be larger in how much they weigh, but they tend to be a little bit wider in the shoulders and the trunk and are Ultrasounds look very closely at, at certain measurements of these babies and can tell us if there is a larger um, abdominal circumference, which we can see is related to glucose. And that's really important to discuss because um, we uh, worry about uh, large babies in the birth canal, and we're worried that babies can get um, stuck on the way out, which is called a shoulder dystocia. That uh, often doesn't cause long-term problems, but it can result in like fracture or breakage of one of the arms or the clavicle but it also can cause permanent nerve injury to the, the um, nerves in the arm. Um, and in worst case scenarios, we won't be able to deliver the baby uh, and the baby survive. So um, what we do is that we monitor the growth and if in a normal woman, the, the baby is over um, 5,000 grams, we would recommend consideration of a cesarean delivery instead to avoid that. Um, and if the baby in a diabetic mom, just as April mentioned, um, the distribution of weight is different, the risk of shoulder dystocia is higher, so we would recommend um, perhaps a C-section at a lower uh, weight, which would be 4,500 grams. So it's really important, you know, as you get the mother through their pregnancy, um, 
that we are looking at that weight and we're looking at the safe mode for delivery. So April, I want to circle back on something you mentioned. You said um, gestational diabetes, and I don't think we've talked about that yet. Um, can you tell me what that is and I guess why it happens? Sure. Um, gestational diabetes typically in the past was referred to any abnormal glucose um, identified for the first time during a pregnancy. Um, but really, we often, um, we're looking at gestational diabetes as something that really happens in response to the normal hormones of pregnancy, which increase insulin needs during pregnancy. So it's typically something that we're diagnosing um, after 20 weeks in pregnancy. Um, a woman doesn't have diabetes um, before she gets pregnant, these hormones uh, increase her insulin needs and her body just struggles to produce um, what it needs. Women are typically screened at about 24 to 28 weeks. Um, if they fail the initial screening test, they get um, another test, um, which is diagnostic, and then they're referred for um, help, um, diabetes education, nutritional consultation. Uh, about 70% of these moms generally can manage their diabetes by making uh, changes in their diet, increasing their physical activity. Um, the rest generally need um, some type of medical management. Are there um, different concerns or complications between gestational diabetes and pre-existing diabetes? Sure. The main difference is really that gestational diabetes is, is a problem that happens after 20 weeks. So that's a time when the baby starts to grow. And so that those are the issues that they're facing is all the problems and complications that can occur in that second half of pregnancy due to high blood glucose. So problems with growth, extra fluid around the baby, um, the issue Dr. Hoppy mentioned um, with jaundice and low blood glucose after delivery. Um, again, that size and such can cause there to be a need for a C-section delivery. One of the important um, things to think about too with uh, gestational diabetes is that uh, we talked a little bit about how in a type one or two diabetic that their insulin needs uh, increase quite a bit throughout their pregnancy, sometimes as high as six or eight fold higher than when they started the pregnancy. Um, but in a gestational diabetic, we can also see quite a lot of insulin needs in a woman. When the baby's born, regardless of the type of diabetes you have, their insulin needs drop at least by half, but in a gestational diabetic, it usually goes away. They are at risk long-term of having diabetes, um, and lifestyle changes may be important in those women postpartum, but um, I just wanted to point out that there's a little bit of difference there in the mm -hmm. requirements of not needing medi medications usually after having gestational diabetes after birth. Um, to make sure that they don't have diabetes after they have their baby, a woman with gestational diabetes is generally tested about six weeks after she has her baby, just to make sure. And then most programs who provide gestational diabetes education, um, like ours, do talk about things like diabetes prevention in the future as well. So you mentioned, um, in addition to sort of size complications, there's a possibility of some birth defects for the baby? Yeah, so... Um, we talked a little bit about the importance of having really good uh, glucose control, um, but birth defects specifically are increased risk in uh, women who have diabetes. Uh, the most common we see is a heart defect, and that spectrum could be very mild to more severe. Um, as a result of that, we take a very thorough look at um, all babies and uh, women who have diabetes with a targeted ultrasound, which means that we look at their structures from head to toe in detail a little bit more than a woman of low risk. Um, and then we also do an extra um, heart ultrasound called a fetal 
fetal echocardiogram, which thoroughly looks at um, the structures and function of the baby's heart. Um, in addition, there are other um, birth defects that um, that are increased in uh, women of di uh, women who have diabetes as well. Um, and I don't think I'll go through those just for sake of time, um, but just knowing that they're they're more common and they could be very mild to severe. Can being pregnant change someone's diabetes symptoms or um, the way that diabetes kind of acts in their body? Um, sure. Um, many women in early pregnancy get some degree of nausea. Some get a very severe form of that called hyperemesis. Uh, many times, if a woman is having some lower blood glucose levels, it can um, aggravate the nausea even more. So that can be an issue. Um, sometimes also women are very... Um, vigilant, very concerned, very worried about controlling their glucose and actually run their glucose lower than what we recommend. Repeated low blood glucose levels can cause our body to not really give us the warning signs of low blood glucose levels. Um, over time that can get worse. If you're not feeling lows, you can go very quickly, unfortunately, from being conscious to not conscious um, or having some difficulty with things like driving. And so safety can be a real risk um, if we're overdoing our diabetes management as well. Part of why I was excited to talk to all of you is um, that you run a prenatal care group for moms with diabetes. And I wanna learn more about this group. Uh, first, I guess, what is the benefit of a group prenatal care model in general? Well, I think one of the main benefits is the sense of community. So we're not just um, talking to them about their diabetes. We're not just talking to them about diabetes and pregnancy, but they actually get to have the shared experience of what they're going through during that time. Pregnancy itself is complicated and multifaceted for anyone. Uh, going through even a what you would consider a typical pregnancy, but when you have high risk factors, that amplifies any concerns that you might have. Having the support of the group environment is extra important. Um, research bears out that group settings and education within the group setting as well as care within that setting um, really ends up with better outcomes and really informs our practice as well. So how long have you offered this group for moms with diabetes? About two years, um, and we've run the group three times, which has been outstanding. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback from some of our um, patients, students, if you will. Uh, and it's not only just the care from the three of us, so between the specialty diabetes care, um, the maternal fetal medicine um, care, the education for me, but we actually have a registered dietitian that works with our team as well. Uh, to really give them nutritional support during this time. We also fold in social workers and provide um, information on uh, domestic abuse and violence. Um, we provide some uh, exercise, uh, yoga instruction. Um, so there's a lot of other things that uh, we strongly feel that they would not get in a typical clinic, just focusing on their diabetes and their pregnancy. What are some of the like positive outcomes you're striving for as you recruit moms to this group? Um, how do you want the group to help their pregnancies go more smoothly? Well, I think a lot of them share their experience. Many of them are, are, are parents already and have been through the process more than once. And then we also have people that this is a completely new experience with. So when they come in, they're sharing ideas about how to manage their care. And a lot of times coming from a peer-to-peer -peer model works better than coming from an expert 
two-patient model in some aspects. So it's really um, the whole social, emotional health aspect of the group that's, that's tremendous. Can you walk me through what it looks like to be a, a patient in the group, to be kind of a patient-student? Like, um, how often do you meet? What kind of activities happen? What does an average meeting look like? Well, first of all, the women um, are referred to our program. They generally have their initial consultation um, with myself. They have another one with maternal fetal medicine and often their new OB appointment um, before they start their group care. Um, group care has been typically run in the afternoons. It's every two weeks. Um, our women check in for their appointment. They come straight back to the clinic without waiting. They um, do a check-in um, in terms of things like vital signs. Um, we run their blood glucose meters, their insulin pumps or sensors, and print that all out. And then they have their typical um, visit um, individually. Um, and then they are moved back to the group setting to start that programming for the week. We have a... Um we have a goal to see all of our patients before the um, group session starts in about 30 minutes of that two hours. And then um, everyone um, spends the next hour and a half, you know, with different um, practitioners of sorts, with Nicole leading um, each and every one of those groups as a facilitator. Um, and we actually have goals for every session. So we have 10 visits total every two weeks. So it's about a 20 week um, session throughout their pregnancy. Um, and again, we have a manual and a, a process and a thoughtful kind of purpose to each um, um, time we gather. Um, and we really try to follow the patient's lead, you know, so we might have a topic that day, but we're really trying to understand and help facilitate their discussion and their needs throughout that time. Um, and then after the group um, sessions uh, run, they join just for the very end of their pregnancy back into the typical um, care until they deliver. So each session typically covers um, diabetes and pregnancy related material concerns for each session. And then we usually uh, have an activity and a nutrition piece. So there's really something that's covered on all aspects of care per each session that we have over that 20 week span, the 10 sessions. What are some of the common questions or discussion topics that come up during your groups? Oh boy, that can range a lot. <laughs> Um, each of them come in with different challenges um, and, and different levels of support from their home base and knowledge about how to deal with their uh, glucose. So I think that's always one of the major topics. But other things are just how to find the right support within the community and within the care model that we have. Um, and to kind of boon each other up with ideas on, it can be anything from cooking uh, meals, uh, some have more experience in that than others, to sharing ideas about when to come in for care and how to come in for care and what to do if you have children at home. So there's, there's just such a variety, it's hard for me to pinpoint specifically. Do you guys spend any time talking about like what happens after delivery? So does diabetes affect breastfeeding? Um, are there symptoms you need to be on the lookout for after delivery for something like um, hypertension or high blood pressure? Any of the postpartum issues that might come up with diabetes? Uh, definitely there is information um, from lactation um, and that's another expert that we bring in during one of our sessions. Um, we talk about um, potential for different um, delivery modes and uh, labor preparation. 
We talk about support for that. We talk about early newborn care. Um, and Nicole mostly does that. A big part of what I do is I plan for that big change in insulin needs that's gonna happen postpartum. Um, roughly at about 34 weeks, we set up a plan for what's gonna be the new regimen that we're gonna start right after the baby is born. So I work with two um, co-lead educators, uh, Chris Fadinha and Betsy Bush, who are amazing. They're both IBCLCs, and typically one of them will come and talk with the group about breastfeeding specifically and feeding in general um, postpartum, and even talk to them at times about getting the ball running um, ahead of time, because we found that in uh, women with diabetes, sometimes it takes a while for their milk to come in. So they're really the experts and we rely on them for that information. Uh, Angela Barr, who's our um, social worker in the Center for Perinatal Care, also comes in to go over relationships. We talk about intimacy, we talk about postpartum self-care, emotional needs. So it's really all-encompassing. How can people learn about your group and um, who is able to join it? Well, I think having us um, get the opportunity to talk with you today is a real um, step in trying to promote our program. Um, it is offered to all women who um, seek care at Unity Point Health Meritor, um, but, but even further than that, um, anybody who has diabetes and is delivering at um, Meritor Hospital, we would, we would love uh, for them to uh, participate in our program if needed. Um, we do have um, patients who, uh, may prefer to see a, a different provider outside of our uh, clinic, um, but we would even welcome considering them in our group program and then uh, transferring their care back to that care provider for birth. Um, it's just an idea to uh, promote more people uh, being able to join a group care model for their pregnancy. So you said you've been running the group um, for about two years and you've had three cohorts go through. I'm curious when new cohorts get started and how people kind of get to be brought into the group. Sure. Um, a new group gets started simply when we have a uh, collection of women who have similar um, due dates and we can make the offering available to them. One of our limitations is that we really can only have one group going at any um, given time. So um, unfortunately, we can't make it um, available to everyone that is seeking care. But like I said, if we have a collection of women that have similar due dates, so that way they can have similar experiences and needs during these visits, um, that's when we get a group started. And we usually accommodate about five to six women um, mm -hmm. per session. When people join the group, do they come alone or they, can they bring a supportive person with them? They can come alone, but we actually support the idea of them bringing um, whoever their loved one, support person, partner is with them to group because it not only helps support the person that's going through the program, but actually we found that support people benefit from being part of the group, not only emotionally, um, but they learn a lot about the process, diabetes, pregnancy, delivery, postpartum care, and so it really acts to support them as a unit, as a family unit when they get home. First, thank you all very much for sitting down with me. I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, to kind of wrap it up, if someone has diabetes and plans to become pregnant, what should they do to get ready for that pregnancy? What are your recommendations? What are the best steps? 
I think um, the most important thing is um, seeking care early, um, really knowing that there is an extraordinary amount of resources that we offer as a multidisciplinary care unit, um, whether it be from preconception care to all the care they're going to need during their pregnancy, uh, extra ultrasounds, extra testing, um, close follow-ups of their glucose and insulin needs, um, and then the postpartum uh, care needs they may have. Um, but I think it's a really a, a, an all-encompassing program that um, specifically the perinatal center uh, offered at UniPoint Health Meritor uh, really facilitates and uh, conducts well. And our goal is to really have successful pregnancies for uh, moms and babies and outcomes similar to women who don't have diabetes. For anyone that's seeking education or care, um, whether they're um, pregnant with diabetes, um, one of the things that we do is support care through other classes that we offer as well. Those classes can be found on our website um, under More Plus Classes and Events. There's a whole stream of classes available um, for anyone that's seeking extra education and support either during pregnancy or postpartum. I think most of the time um, people who have any type of diabetes get the message um, to really just control their glucose. Um, that's a big part of having a healthy pregnancy, um, planning a pregnancy and such. Um, uh, mostly what I do is help women do that. Um, so it's not just a message, it's all the tools, all the resources, all the support, all the encouragement to help you obtain those goals um, with that glucose to have that healthy pregnancy. Thank you all so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. On our next episode, we'll be joined by a special guest. Dr. Ken Kim, a gynecologic oncologist at the University of Alabama, will talk about how to teach surgery and what's next in medical and surgical education. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Please let us know how we're doing, rate and review us on your podcast app, and let us know what women's health topic you'd like to learn about. Thanks for listening.